Good morning. Welcome to Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. Welcome to those that are here in the sanctuary, and we welcome those that are online worshiping with us. Uh, we welcome any visitors this morning. Uh, you will find in the chair in front of you, six feet in front of you, little pockets that have a visitor's card in them. If you would fill that out and hand it to one of the ushers or leave it in the welcome desk after the service, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you had not received one, we have green welcome bags back there for you to take. It has information about our church. So uh, if you have not received one yet, pick one up. Uh, our pastor, Marion Clark, is on vacation today. So I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Joe King back to uh, the pulpit. Many of us know Joe. He has served as our senior pastor for a number of years. Debbie and I had the pleasure of going through inquirers class in, in your living room 11 years ago. So, been here a long time. Uh, speaking of pastors, next Sunday we have Pastor Jeff Birch coming to be in the pulpit. He will preach at both services. Pastor Jeff Birch is the candidate that the search team has selected to be called as our next senior pastor. As I said, he will preach at both services. Uh, after the first service, a congregational meeting will be called, and there will be a vote on his call package. The call package will be explained, and then uh, a vote taken. Those in the church will have paper ballots, those online will have an email, and the voting period will be open for about 15 minutes. The uh, congregational meeting will be put in recess, and then Pastor Birch will preach again at the 11 o'clock service. Congregational meeting called to order, and the voting process will continue, paper ballots and online by email. At that point, after about 15 minutes, the uh, Voting will close, and we will tally the ballots and immediately announce the outcome of the voting. It is our prayer that uh, we then will announce uh, Pastor Jeff as our called senior pastor. And there will be then be a reception after the service to allow those in attendance to uh, meet and greet uh, Pastor Birch and his wife, Evie. Oh, add some more fun next Sunday. Daylight savings time begins. <laughs> so don't forget Saturday night to uh, turn those clocks ahead or you will miss out on all the action on Sunday. So put a note on your refrigerator, a string on your finger, a bow on your pet, whatever it takes. But uh, remind yourself to turn the clocks ahead next Saturday night. Another announcement uh, coming up March 19th to the 16th, a virtual election via email will be conducted to elect deacons. You know, there's a description in the, of each candidate in the bulletin today. An email was sent out today describing those. So you are encouraged to speak with each candidate with any questions about their qualifications 
for the office to which they have been nominated. Now that's all the announcement, but as member of the pastoral search team, I was asked to say a few words today too. But I want to start with some scripture. Mark 11, 20 to 24. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, what, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Philippians 4.6 do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The pastoral search team wants to thank you for your prayers during this search. We felt covered in prayer. Linda Martin, a member of our team, was our prayer warrior. She contacted many ministry teams asking for prayer. Pastor Marion prayed for us each Sunday. The search team was listed in the Sunday bulletin and the prayer and praise section. We started each team meeting with prayer. We ended with prayer. We asked the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, discernment, and lead us to the pastor God had already chosen to be our next senior pastor. We did Zoom interviews. Each interview was started with a prayer, and at the end of the interview, the candidate was asked to close in prayer. The search team firmly believes Pastor Jeff Birch is God's answer to prayer. This past week, you were sent emails with a video link. These videos showed the excitement and the passion that each search team member has regarding our selection of Jeff Birch. As team members, we were not given any guidance or direction as what to say, but it is amazing how each team member took a little different tack, talked a little bit about a different part of the process, and still ended up at the same point with the conclusion that Jeff Birch was our number one selection. If you have not viewed those uh, videos, uh, they have been put up on the church website. So you can go to lopcpca.org. You click on the resources tab, which is in the upper right-hand side. That gives you a drop-down box, and you click on member resources. Uh, due to some changes in the server, there's a special password, LOPC videos all one word, that's the username and the password, and you will have access to those videos. There's also a video out there, if you did not see it, that was put together by Jeff and Evie Birch. So I would encourage you to uh, go out and view those if you have not done so. We had several great candidates that we could get excited about. However, through God's providence, 
he started closing doors and left us pointing to Jeff. Two of our top candidates received and accepted calls to go to other churches. Pastor Jeff resigned last summer, fully expecting to go to Boston to start a church plant. For whatever reason, God closed that door and he became available to us. God answers prayer. God has a plan. God is in control. I pray you are as excited as the search team is in welcoming Pastor Jeff to our pulpit next Sunday. And by the way, we just found out he has put his house on the market, has had several lookers already, so we just pray for a smooth transition in the sale of his house. Thank you. morning our call to worship is from Psalm 100. Listen to the word of God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, 
all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come this day, we thank you that we're able to gather and to worship, either here in person or online. And Lord, we want to worship you with all our hearts. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be present in a very real way today. We pray, Father, that there be anything that would hinder the work of your Spirit within us, that we confess that to you now. Father, we are here for your glory. We are here for your praise. And we love you because you first loved us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand together and let's sing together, Thy mercy, my God is the theme of my song. together the Apostle Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Would you please be seated? As you are being seated, I want to invite you to join me at the throne of God as we come before the Father in prayer. Would you pray? Lord, we bow in your presence because you are our Lord. You are our King. You are the one that we are singing about today. We thank you that we can assemble together, either online or here in person. But we thank you that your Spirit is with us and guiding us in our worship. Our Father, we come and ask first that you would prepare our hearts for this time together, the time to meet with you, the time to pray, the time to seek your face. Father, we would pray for the members of this church, thanking you for each and every one that you have so sovereignly moved in their heart to join here. And we pray, Father, for those that are our guests today as well. And Lord, we know that there are multiple needs and concerns among this congregation. Concerns about health, concerns about employment, concerns about children, grandchildren. Concerns, Father, about the future. Concerns about your leading and your guiding There are those here, Father, who need to hear from you in a special way. Lord, would you lead us, as the psalmist says, on a level path, that we would know the will of God. Pray, Father, for this church, and thank you for the work of the pulpit committee and the hours that they have entrusted to work in your kingdom. And we pray for this candidate as he comes next Sunday, that, Lord, you would... Uh, confirm to him and confirm to this congregation your will. We pray, Father, for the future of this church, that it might be bright and it might be glorious. Your spirit would be upon it. And all those who come through these doors would know it's good to be in the house of our God. There's something different about these people because we love you. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereignly working all things after the counsel of your will. And we ask your forgiveness, Father, the many times that we have forgotten that and ignored that. But we come today to be refreshed. We come today to be encouraged. We come today to lift up our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, would you give comfort and peace to those today who need it, to those who need healing, Healing, Father, not only physically, but maybe emotionally. Some need to put the past behind. Father, we need spiritual healing as well. 
We need to walk in your grace, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that for your sake? And would you encourage your people this day? We lift our time to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.
you please be seated. As the uh, chancel choir is moving down off the platform here, I want to express a special thanks for that. Wasn't that a wonderful anthem this morning? Amen. Just really, really a blessing. Thank you. I want to say, too, on behalf of my wife, Nancy, who's here, and me, we are delighted that you would have us come back one more time and fill the pulpit and to... Uh, Marion, I think, is on vacation today, and the session inviting me to come back one more time and just open the Word of God. What an honor that is. And it's so good to see so many new faces here as well. I should say new mask here today. I can't really see your face, but uh, it's just great to, uh, great to be back and what wonderful memories we have of being here and serving the Lord as a pastor here for some 12 years and getting come back and to preach is just a real joy. I want to invite your attention to a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 12th chapter, and uh, we're going to pick up our reading this morning with the 22nd verse. Luke chapter 12, and verse 22 and following. I remind you that as I read this, this is God's word that we're reading We don't think it becomes the Word of God or it contains the Word of God. It is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And when God gives us His Word, we should listen intently, diligently to His Word. I'm going to begin our reading this morning with verse 22. Would you listen as I read? And He said to His disciples... Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of life to his span, life, his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, Or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Will you pray with me? Father, now as we open your word, we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding and direction That, Father, you have inspired your word. Now we ask that you would illumine your word 
and open our hearts that we would love you more, we would repent more, that we might love one another more, and that we might be more changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your work in our hearts and what you'll do in the next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I know you've noticed that the world is a different place now than it was just a month ago. It's a different place than it was years ago. I can't imagine growing up and having a cell phone that I could put a text message in and send it literally around the world in just seconds or a picture. I can't imagine having a social media platform and being able to get online and express my opinion or teach something free of charge in many ways. Give my opinion. But let me ask you this question. Now that we've got YouTube and TikTok and we've got Flitter and we've got Instagram and Snapchat and all those things and, you know, I don't even know all of them. If one of the CEOs came to you and said, I want to give you 30 minutes of my time free on my social media platform to say anything that you want to say, what would you say? Would you talk about politics? Would you talk about COVID-19? Would you talk about your family? Would you talk about the world to come? Would you talk about the gospel? What would be the thing that would drive you in those 30 minutes that you wanted the audience of the world to hear? I can tell you one thing I would not say. I wouldn't talk about being anxious. And you know, it's interesting that that's the very thing that Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount early in his ministry in Matthew chapter 6. And again, in Luke chapter 12, at a different location in Galilee, later in his ministry, here's what he said. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, or about your body, or what you're going to put on. Now, it's interesting that the word that's used here for anxious comes from two different Greek words. One of the words means mind, and the other word means to divide. So when a person is anxious, they have a divided mind. Now, you see that through Scripture because we all struggle with this. For instance, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, Jesus went to eat dinner with some of his best friends, Mary and Martha, and I don't know, but I assume Lazarus may have been there. Some of his good friends, can you imagine having Jesus come eat dinner with you in your home? You know, how would you clean the house? What would it look like? Preparation of the meal. And Martha gets so tied up about everything that she says to, 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 to Jesus, Tell Mary to come help me prepare the meal. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you are so distracted. And it's interesting the word that he uses there because it's the word meaning to be tied up in knots. 
she was focused on the things rather than the person that evening. I've often wondered if she had the gift of hospitality or not. But nevertheless, she was struggling with it. Or I think of Peter. Oh, don't you just love Peter? I mean, the only time he opens his mouth is to put a different foot in it. You know? It's just amazing how God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put Peter in there. You remember the occasion when Jesus fed the 5,000? And after he fed the 5,000, he went up on the mountain to pray that night. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. He sent the disciples, including Peter, back in a boat. And the wind got up and it was, it was, it was, and Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter's the only disciple that says, Lord, can I come walk on the water with you? None of the others were getting out of the boat. They were scared to death. Jesus says, come. And then we read as he was walking on the water that he saw the wind and he saw the waves. You know the word is there? He's anxious, divided mind. And he begins to sink. You ever wonder how he got back in the boat? Did he swim? No, Jesus took him by the hand, I think. And he walked on the water back into the boat. I can imagine what the conversation must have been among the disciples. But here's a man that's worried. He was worried about paying his taxes. And we read there in the Gospel of Luke later on uh, in Matthew, excuse me, chapter 17. He's worried about paying his taxes. Jesus said, listen, all you got to do is go down to the lake, put a a hook in the water, and you're going to catch a fish. And when you catch the fish, open the fish's mouth, and you're going to get some money come out. Go pay your taxes. I've often wondered if Peter ever went back to that same lake fishing again. I said, Lord, this is a good deal. But you know what the text says? He was worried, distracted. Now listen, the same guy that I'm talking about wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter in the fifth chapter of of 1 Peter, here's what he says later on in his life. Casting all your care upon him, for you are his personal concern. He had matured through those years. And now he's beginning to get a grasp on what this is and who this is about Jesus. We all become anxious at times. I do, I confess it. My wife and I had an occurrence last Friday right here on this road. We wanted to get out of town. We're driving down this way. And you know, there's a stop sign, not a stoplight there. And the traffic was horrendous. It was backed up on 44. It was backed up on Scott Road. And I wanted to go so badly. There were five cars in front of us. I was trying to turn left. And you know what it is. You get that little window and you better go or you're not going to get to go. And I felt my blood pressure just going up. And I started saying things to these people and drivers in these other cars. (laughs) And my wife is sinking down in the seat, Lord, Lord, who is this man I'm married to? And then finally we get our turn. There's one car in front of us and this girl is texting. That's what I said. What's wrong with you people? Let's go. And my wife, she says, lovingly, graciously, and kindly, like a wife could only do, 
Do you think being anxious is helping these other people drive better? I just pretended I didn't hear it. <laughs> and she said, do you think your attitude is what it ought to be? I just didn't hear it. Don't you think you ought to pray some? About 15 minutes later, I apologize. I didn't handle that well. Anxiety. Listen, let me give you just a few points here from what I'm calling the care that Jesus mentions here in this verse 23. Listen. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Notice the next verse. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than them? It's interesting in this chapter, he, Jesus uses the word ravens. In chapter 6 of Matthew, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he used birds. Now, I understand that the country of Israel has one of the largest bird populations in the world. Matter of fact, it's a problem for the Israeli Air Force because so many of these birds fly into their planes, cause crashes. But it's interesting that Jesus says here in this text about ravens. Now, ravens are one of the strongest birds that, Jesus, that, that, that God has created. They have really strong beaks. They have strong talons. They can fly. And you know what's something interesting about them? They're predators. And they're so strong, they can divulge onto a carcass and literally rip the meat off the carcass. And Jesus says, the Father feeds them. They go out and get the food, but the Father feeds them. He said, aren't you more valuable than they? I mean, all these many, many ravens? You wouldn't want a raven for a pet. Scavenger bird? No one wanted it. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, they were considered to be unclean. You couldn't even eat them. He says, you're so much more valuable. You see, it's a lesson from the lesser to the greater. You see that? And then he says, notice in verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They will spin, toil, and I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wow. You know, the word that's used there is a Greek word, cryon, which can be um, plants of many different kinds. Jesus chose to use the word here for lily. Now keep in mind that he is preaching this sermon in the middle of a desert. And there must have been a bank of lilies that were there that people would have looked at and said, aren't those beautiful in the midst of this desert? And he says, not even Solomon. Remember Solomon was the third king of Israel? If you read 1 Kings chapter 10, one of the things you find out is he was extremely wealthy. A very wise man, but a wealthy man as well. And the queen of Sheba came from her country and came in to talk to Solomon so that she might get his wisdom. And when she came and she saw all his wealth and all the things that he had done and how wise he was, the Bible says she lost her breath. 
It was like, who is this guy? He could buy anything that he wanted. Notice what Jesus says in the analogy here. These lilies are more beautiful than anything that Solomon could ever purchase to wear. He says, don't you understand the care of God for you if he cares for something as simple as a lily? Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and following says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. There's a third example that's used here. And it's in verse 28. And it's about grass. Notice what he says. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. You know how much time we spend talking about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, how we're going to spend our money, and all this just consumes us. I know it does me. And he says, listen, look at the grass. Now you have to understand that he's preaching this in a desert. And grass was a very valuable thing because there wasn't a whole lot of it. And notice something about this. The short lifespan of grass. He says it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Sometimes in the Old Testament you read about the grasses of the field and the sun would come up and the moisture through the night would, would water the grass and then in the daytime it would wilt. They would take a sickle and they would cut this grass and they would bind it up in, in bundles and they would take it home and they would use it for fuel in their, in their ovens because they had clay ovens. And the prominent thing that they would bake would be bread and you had to get the, the oven at a certain temperature and they could troll it with grass. But it would burn up like had no en enduring quality to it whatsoever. And notice what he's saying here. Your life, your life is so much more valuable than that. Well, let me give you some points about the cure. What do we do about this? Well, first, we're not to be anxious about anything. Literally, the, the Greek word here says, stop being anxious. Just stop. Understand who it is that's really in control, and it's not you and it's not me. The word trust here in the Bible literally means a bold, confident, secure security or action that's based on that security. You see, there's a difference between trust and faith. Faith is what links us to the trust. Faith is the gift of God. Trust is what we do with that faith and that we establish it in a secure being of Jesus Christ rather than trusting is what we do because of the faith that we have been given. And it is believing the promises of God even in all those circumstances. Now, notice what he says here in this text of Scripture. He says we are to trust. Now, why? 
Why is that such an important thing? I don't know about you, but when I am anxious, I'm not trusting. And that's why Jesus, on more than one occasion, preached the sermons to these people because he understood the anxieties and the worries and the care of the life would keep them from trusting in the Father. You see, when I'm anxious, I don't don't want to really pray. I know I need to. I don't really want to repent. I want to control it. It's like the other day when my wife says, why are you so upset about this traffic condition? I said, because I'm not in control. And she said, that's a problem. I said, yeah, it's a big problem. And it's trust. But secondly, and I don't have a lot of time to develop this, but secondly... We need to understand the providence of God. That word's been used here in this pulpit earlier with Russell mentioning it. The providence of God. What do we mean by the providence of God? The Shorter Catechism has a wonderful definition, and here it is. The providence of God is His most holy, wise, powerfully preserving of all His creatures and their actions. Can I say it again? The providence of God is his most holy, wise, powerfully preserving all his creatures and their actions. To put it another way, Dr. R.C. Sproul in his book, The Invisible Hand, says there is no such thing as the maverick molecule in the universe. Either God is God and he's in control and controlling it all, or he's not God at all. You say, now wait a minute now. What about Satan? Doesn't he have some control and reign? Yes. But let me tell you something. We tend to think that Satan and God are like two boxers in a boxing ring. They're just duking it out. And which one endures is going to be the winner. Nothing could be more true than Nothing more false than that. God is sovereign. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Satan is none of those attributes. He is a created being, Satan is. And he's like a dog on a leash that is allowed to roam for a certain period of time. And then there's coming a day, according to the book of Revelation, when God yanks the chain and Satan is thrown into the lake of fire forever and it's over. He is not near on par with God. But God decrees to allow him to do certain things. Now, let me give you one example. If you were to think about history and think about probably the worst thing that could have happened in history, I would point you to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Here is a complete innocent man. No sin whatsoever falsely accused the Romans arrested him persecuted him betrayed by his disciples went to the cross died as an innocent man for sinful people was it just chance Acts chapter 2 Peter is preaching at Pentecost 
And in the middle of his sermon, this is what he said in verse 22. Listen carefully. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by the mighty works and the wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to, listen, to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Have you ever seen that before? It wasn't that just Jesus was in the wrong place. It wasn't as though he just had a bad day. No, this was planned from all eternity that he would be crucified and is part of God's providential plan. You say, well, how does that relate to me? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 says this, that the Lord has decreed all things after the counsel of his will. So whatever you're going through today, it is not by simply chance. It is because the divine will of God has decreed for it to occur. Now, I know that leaves a lot of questions. But I have to tell you, that's what the Bible says. And I am so amazed as I read through the scriptures and I look in my own life and see how God puts together the seemingly insignificant details of different things to put together the plan so that God says, this is what you're to do. The older I am as a Christian, the more thankful I am for the doors that God shuts. Think of it as well as the ones he opens. See, he sovereignly, he may, he may tell you, I want you to leave A and go to B, and the ultimate plan is for you to end up at D. And you would never think about going to D. That's totally off your radar. But God orchestrates all these things and people and using circumstances to lead you into the way that he would want you to go. And he says, you don't need to be anxious about it. Let me give you one example that I read the other day that I thought was wonderful, and I'll come back and give you a couple of scriptures. The year was 1945. A man by the name of Cliff married his sweetheart. Her name was Billy. They'd been in love for many years. They were not wealthy people. They scraped up enough money to pay for a small wedding, two train tickets, and they were going to spend a week, their honeymoon, in a hotel in a resort area. And on arrival at the hotel, they realized that the hotel was closed, shut down, out of business. Here's a man with a young bride, no place to go. Foreign city. Stranded in this city with little, little money. Stuck his thumb out, thumb a ride down the road. And a stranger picked him up and his bride and said, where are you going? He said, I don't know. I just need a place to stay tonight. He said, oh, I know a room that's available. He took him to a grocery store. 
And he went to the owner and he said, this young couple just got married. Can they stay in your loft tonight? How romantic must that have been? And Cliff and Billy spent the first night of their honeymoon in a loft. The next day, the owner of the grocery store said, well, I've got a friend on the other side of town, and she's got a room in her house, and you might be welcome to stay there with her. Let me see what she can do. So Cliff and his bride got in the back seat. They went across town, took their little belongings that they had. They spent three days in this room, this lady's house. Every morning, Cliff being the musical man that he was, would play a couple of hymns on the trombone and sing a few hymns. Caught the attention of the lady there, and she said, listen, there is a conference, a youth meeting tonight downtown, and I'd like to invite you and your bride to come. He said, sure, we'd be glad to go. So off they go to this meeting And when he arrived, the coordinator for the meeting said, I'm sorry, but the music minister, he's sick. Do you know anybody that can fill in? The lady that owned the apartment said, this guy can do it. And he led the service. Cliff did. The young man that preached that night, you may have heard his name. Billy Graham. And you may have heard his music director for 71 years, Cliff Barrows. And that evening, God began a certain special relationship that lasted 71 years between those two men. Let me ask you a question. What if the hotel had not had, had been open? What if the man who picked them up and took them to the grocery store and introduced them, the room would not have been available? What if they had gone to the other apartment across town and it not have been available? What if the lady had never invited them to go to the crusade that evening? What if Mr. Cliff Barrows had never met Mr. Billy Graham? the world would probably be a different place because of the millions of people that that organization affected. Do you see the little things, the little details, the closed doors? And why are we anxious? Because we don't see the big picture. Jesus says this to us, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The other day I was reading from the Psalms and I came across this Psalm. You've probably read it before. It's Psalm 139, verse 16, and it says this, All the days adorned for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days were ordained for me, 
written in your book before one of them came to be. All of them. I used to look at that verse and say, okay, Lord, you know the number of days I have until I leave and go to be with you. But I looked this up, and the psalmist is saying, not only is he talking about the length of days, he's talking about the circumstances of each and every day being ordained. So what are we to do? Well, when we go to the traffic signal here, we're to say, Lord, thank you for teaching me patience. You're in control. Lord, thank you for these drivers here, and I pray that you would protect them. And Lord, thank you for a wife that will speak truth when it's so needed. And thank you for the grace to repent and not be anxious because you really are in control. You remind me. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. We are blessed. Thank you for your sovereignty in our lives. Thank you, Father, that your word tells that even the very hairs of our head are numbered. And the fact that even a sparrow falls from a tree, you know it all. So, Lord, I pray for these in this congregation. Some are doubting you. Some are going through some very deep water. Some, Father, are up against a tidal wave, and they're saying, God, I don't want to drown. Would you encourage them? Would you show them, Father, that you are in control and that you're sovereign, not only in the big things, but even in the small, tiny, minute things. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to stand and sing with me about this great Redeemer. There is a Redeemer. Would you stand together?
Keep you.